Hey everyone, Josh here from Long Time Ago Radio. How's it going? Really quick, if you hear a lot of fans in the background, it is because it is like 100 plus degrees here in California this weekend. And then on top of that, uh, I just moved into a new apartment and I'm in the loft and it is also 100 degrees up here because it's a loft and heat rises. So I am sweating profusely right now. Anyway... I wanted to take a second to just talk about why this episode was late, because obviously it was supposed to post on Monday, and it's now Saturday when it's finally going up. Um, There were some scheduling conflicts last week when we tried to record, and then it kind of went over my head that I was moving that also that weekend into this new place, and still not unpacked, still a lot of things we're working on, and... Unfortunately, uh, we were not able to record until, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then even then, we were still really busy. I got really busy at work, and on top of that, we are trying to move, and we had people visiting, and so it just kind of got away from us. This is not usually how we like to do things around here. We try really, really hard to avoid delays. We try to record way ahead of time so that the episodes come out on time and that everything gets edited. But unfortunately, it just did not happen this time. And I even meant to put something up on the Facebook page about why this was late. And it didn't end up happening because I got busy and forgot. And I'm really sorry about that. Um, I really hope you enjoy this episode, though. It is our usual fare. It's a full episode. Talk about Revenge of the Sith. All that good stuff. And then next episode, we will be talking about Star Wars collectibles. So we'll be recording that next week. And it will go up on, I believe, September 11th. And we hope you guys enjoy that. Again, I apologize for the multi-day delay on this episode, but I hope you enjoy, and uh, I hope you forgive us. Or should I call you Darth Sidious? Master Yoda, you survived. Surprised? Your arrogance blinds you, Master Yoda. Now you will experience the full power of the dark side. Hello everybody and welcome to Long Time Ago Radio, a conversational podcast about Star Wars and the official podcast of CanonTimeline.com. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Mobley, and I'm joined by my two favorite fans in the galaxy, Alex Vargas and Rebecca June Lane. How's everyone doing? Doing very well. Doing good. So how's everyone's, you know, Star Wars life going? What's everybody been up to? I, uh, I messaged you guys last night, but a friend of mine sent me a very cool Leia print that uh, yeah. I'm going to get framed and put on my wall. She's looking all badass, and it says Rebel and Hope, and it's very cool, so I'm excited about that. Sweet. We're, uh, we're gearing up for Long Beach Comic Con, and we're going to be trooping with the 501st. We're going to have a booth there with the Rebel Legion and the Mando Merc, so it should be a fun weekend. Nice. And then we have Force Friday coming up, too. So. Oh, snap. That's this week, right? That's Thursday night at midnight. Thursday at midnight. So Jeez. you're saying it's very hot out in California, right? Yeah, it is warm. Yeah, right <laughs> now it is 8.30 p.m., and it is 95 degrees where I am. So you in a suit, how does that work with the extreme heat? I drink a lot of water, and I pray that I don't pass out. Is it really like that hot in the helmet? I would imagine, right? The helmet's not too bad. It's it's pretty wide, so there's you know it, the air circulates in there, and I have a small fan too circulating the air. 
it's the jumpsuit that just holds everything in. Yeah. And then wearing the balaclava helps it helps your head a little bit, but at the same time you're wearing this giant black sock over your entire body. <laughs> so Darth Vader has it worse, though. I thank God I'm not him. <laughs> For many reasons. For many yeah. reasons. I am almost done with Inferno Squad. Okay. The book, which is the prequel novel to Battlefront Two before that comes out. And uh Christy Golden, man, she's a she's a great writer because this is a really good book. Even if you're not super interested in the game, I think it's a good book. It is messed up though. Like some of the stuff that they do in the you know, in the name of the Empire because they think it's like for the greater good. It's sort of like a you know, we're gonna do some messed up stuff. We may even have to kill our own soldiers undercover and like maybe even civilians, but in the end, we're gonna bring down this, you know, rebel cell and it's gonna be great, you know? So it's really dark? It's kind of dark, yeah, um, but it's really, really enjoyable. Like, the characters, you know, they make sense, and, like, it's very, like, espionage-y, and it's very cool. Um, when it first starts, I was kind of like, this is okay, and then when I got to about a third through it, they kind of, rev- you know, they do the sort of the plot reveal of, like, what is going to be going on for the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, I went, ooh, this is cool, actually. It's really interesting, so... I, I highly recommend it. It's very, very cool. And, of course, Christy Golden's just an awesome writer. So so you said it was a prequel to Battlefront 2. Does that mean yeah. it's following the chick that's, like, the main chick in the Iden story? Iden Versio, yes. Okay. Sometimes the squad is separated, so it'll sometimes flip to, like, a different character. Like, uh, there's a there's a character, I think it's, um, it's it starts with a G. His name starts with a G. He's like a, a almost a lifelong friend of hers, and he's also in the squad. Mm. And uh, he'll be with another character, and they're pretending that they're brothers or whatever. And like you know, they'll be separated off somewhere, and it'll be from his perspective for a little while, and then it'll usually just jump back. It's mostly from Iden's perspective, but it, it flops around a little bit. Um, but it's it's very good. I'm liking it a lot. Nice. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. That honestly, that's about it. Other than that, I I I bought some more Star Wars games because that's just you bought one of the best games yeah. ever, by the way. Yeah, I found in like really good condition. I found uh, Star Wars Demolition on the Dreamcast, which is uh, that game that Alex, the one game Alex has apparently played. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a Dreamcast? <laughs> Me? I do. Yeah. Nice. But you still, yeah, you still have, have one? I had one. Um, like a couple of years ago and I got rid of it and then I bought one again recently. So yeah, I do have a I do have a working Dreamcast. It'll be worth it just for this one game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I haven't I haven't put it in yet cuz you know, we've been moving and stuff, so fingers crossed it works those discs. Uh, it's in it's in really good condition. It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll work. And if it doesn't, you know, whatever. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> That's a good attitude to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually I also have a uh, a friend who's going to Japan soon and in Japan you can find old video games pretty easily like in boxes and I told him to like keep an eye out for any like Japanese Star Wars games for yeah. me so he's gonna buy that's pretty if cool he finds them he's gonna buy them and I'm gonna pay him back I was like man I love to find some of those old like Famicom games and stuff so we'll see how it goes but yeah if that's it we can get on to our topic let's do it all right it's so powerful you are why leave? You will not stop me. 
Darth Vader will become more powerful than either of us. Faith in your new apprentice misplaced, maybe. As is your faith in the dark side of the Force. This is it. We're finishing the prequels. We watched episode three. And you know what? Episode three actually holds up. I think it's actually a decent movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's it's almost like live action Clone Wars. Almost. Yes. I think it's a little cheesy, but you're like, this is fine. This is this is good. I'm entertained. You know. I agree. Yeah, it's better than two, where we didn't oh, have yes, much to say. I feel like I have a lot of nice things to say about this one, except for the opening crawl. I think the opening crawl is like not great. Should I do it? Here we go. Yes. <laughs> Read it, because like, I have problems with even the first sentence. Revenge of the Sith. War! Exclamation point. The Republic is crumbling under attacks by the ruthless Sith Lord Count Dooku. There are heroes on both sides. Evil yeah, is Yeah, hang on. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I was considering whether or not we were going to make a many sides jokes here, but... Yeah, I, 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 when, when, it, when I read that, I, my eyebrow went up because I don't remember that at all. I was like, who is on the... And, they, and the movie doesn't even really portray that. It's interesting, though, because Clone Wars, there's a couple stories where you can right. see some separatists having a oh. point of view. On... Speaking of which, and not to spoil it, a very minor Clone Wars character shows up in Inferno Squad. There's a <gasps> oh, character cool. that they don't reveal the name of, and, and but they say, like, this person seems familiar. Ooh. And then in the middle of the book, the character starts talking about how they knew uh, certain other characters and you're like oh my god it's that person i was like oh my god what a cool that's you know, so much like, fun back yeah it's really cool i won't spoil it because i thought it was really cool that's very cool yeah well let me keep going there are heroes on both sides evil is everywhere in a stunning move, the fiend-destroyed leader, General Grievous, has swept into the Republic capital and kidnapped Chancellor Palpatine, leader of the Galactic Senate. As the Separatist droid army attempts to flee the besieged capital with their valuable hostage, two Jedi Knights lead a desperate mission to rescue the captive Chancellor. Dot, 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 dot. I have to admit, the transition from the crawl to, to the next scene is one of my favorites in all the Star Wars movies, where it just goes straight into the Battle of Coruscant, and you just see the ships start... You see that you, first you see Anakin and Obi-Wan ships by themselves, and then you just see the larger battle that they're a part of. And, Absolutely. I, I, and the way that the music has the drums, it's, it's just such a great opening scene. Yeah. That music is tense. I yeah. really liked that music at the top. And that mm -hmm. whole first battle, when you see it in context of coming off of Clone Wars, the animated series, it feels really good. Like, yeah. we're coming right out of that. We're, it, it's a really wonderful transition, um, if you've seen that, that stuff before. If um, not, I mean, you're just like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we did this last time for the first or for the first two episodes. Let's do. Do you remember your experience going to this film? Do you remember yes. how you felt about it? This is May two thousand and five. May two thousand five. So I would have been fourteen, and I do remember because I remember I convinced my dad somehow to take me to the midnight showing. I remember two guys with lightsabers fighting in front of the theater before the movie started. <laughs> not like, not like I'm going to kill you, but like, you know, you know, dueling, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I remember playing my DS in the parking lot while we waited in line. Cause like everybody had a DS, you know, at that time, everybody <laughs> had Mario Kart. So it was really easy to just like yell, like, you know, I don't want to play Mario Kart. And then like, you know, like a 
four lobbies would pop up. That's fine. I do. Yeah. Um, so I remember playing a lot of Mario Kart in line for that. <laughs> and then I remember going to school the next day. Because I think it came out on like a Wednesday or something. And being so tired. But I was one of the only people who had seen it at school that day. So that You was were the cool. cool kid. But I do remember enjoying it. And I've always enjoyed episode three. I think it actually is. It still holds up today. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely one of my favorite my favorite prequel. Um, it, let me see. I was in high school. We went after school, like we did with the other prequels. We waited in line for a few hours out with my family, and it was just exciting because at the time I remember buying a Time magazine, and the cover has Darth Vader's uh, helmet on it, and it says the last Star Wars movie ever. Whoa. And we're thinking, oh my god, this is going to be the last Star Wars movie, we're never going to get anything else. You know, to be a kid, I mean, in high school you're still a kid. To be experiencing what you think it's going to be the last Star Wars movie ever to be made is, is like this whole bunch of emotion just coming up and like, okay, I never got to see the originals and now I get to see this one. Mm-hmm. Nothing is ever going to happen again. And I mean, we're all, we have more Star Wars. But at the time it was the last Star Wars movie that was going to be made. And going into it and seeing, seeing things that we knew had to happen that they alluded to in A New Hope. And, you know, you see all these Jedi that you grew to love and, and start connecting with, and then they all get wiped out. Yeah. It's pretty harsh. It's a pretty dark film. It is. Uh, and that one, this is rated PG-13, correct? Out of all the Star Wars, this is the, yeah, I mean, well, the highest rated? No, Force Awakens is PG-13 also. Was it PG-13? Mm-hmm. You would think Rogue One would be too, because of just I think the, it is. the death and the sadness. But yeah, I mean, this is a much darker film than I think any of the original trilogy was. I don't have that strong of memory seeing it in theaters, to be honest. I don't know why. I don't know what was going on in my life. I definitely saw it opening day. Um, I do have a better memory of it later that summer because my friend uh, got a pirated version of it. So I had a DVD of it like that July and I was watching it all the time. So <laughs> I remember doing that. Um, but yeah, I remember loving it. It was my favorite movie at the time. And it was very satisfying to to see how dark it gets. I love when Star Wars gets dark. Um, so, you know, when it really does lean into the violence and the moral complexity of, it, of the universe it builds, I, I, that's when I think it's at its best. And that's on display here. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's just get right yeah. into it. So we talked about Coruscant fight. Yes. Already. I have kind of a bigger plot question. Mm-hmm. Why, and I think, uh, I forget if it's touched on in Clone Wars, um, why does this kidnapping happen? Is this Palpatine's move to, to do away with Dooku? Is that the whole point of this? Or was Palpatine actually trying to, you know, like, get out of, this, get out of the Senate? I, what, what's the backstory here? I don't know if that's ever explained. I don't think it is. I know that they were going to allude to that that whole situation in the unfinished Clone Wars episodes, but aside from that, I don't think there's been any mention of what Palpatine's plan was at the time. Yeah. So do we think it's just a way to get Anakin to to off Dooku? Because there's really no other reason for it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not a hundred percent sure. All we know is that in the end, it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think Palpatine kind of knew that Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin would be sent to rescue him. Like, I think he made a safe assumption, and that's what did happen. I mean, it, and it worked out perfectly for him to uh, knock out Dooku and to 
get Anakin more on his side because you start to see a little more of Anakin's turn to the dark side when he kills Dooku. You know, just the yeah. flavor of it, but yeah, and you know, Palpatine smile. To and... make it symbolic, he's holding both a red and blue lightsaber. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So it's like a crossroads, you know, across you know Dooku's neck. But <laughs> uh, the the sabers make the most horrific sound when they grind against each other too. Like I remember that that, that stuck out to me as a kid, right as he cuts off Dooku's head and just that electronic like slash sound. Mm. So clearly, though, Dooku was not in on that part of the plan because he doesn't want to die and he looks horrified when palpatines right. like do it um do obviously it. <laughs> <laughs> obviously because he's about to lose his head i like dooku a lot we we get a bit more of him in this in the clone war series we get a little bit more of all the dynamics in the clone war series but again the kind of relationship between him and palpatine is never fully really fleshed out as far as what dooku thought his role in all of this was going to be and uh yeah, it is. That is a weird thing. You know what is another weird thing is like I had never realized that Anakin and Grievous never met. They never meet. That's a note I have yeah. here. They never meet in the Clone mm-hmm. Wars series, um, which I guess they kind of wrote themselves in a hole there by having them just kind of saying, yeah. hey, I've never seen you before. So then they have to kind of dance around it. Yeah, because um, I think they had because they, the movie had been made already when they, I guess when they were doing Clone Wars, right? Yes. So then they were like, oh, he's been introduced. So they have to, like, you know, knock Anakin out or have him go somewhere else, like, whenever Grievous shows up to, <laughs> to make it, you know, accurate. So, which I can appreciate. Sure. I appreciate that they at least tried to adhere to what they had said before as opposed yeah. to, you know, make, make something else out of it. But just in this first sequence, um, you see a lot of obi-wan's humor which i love you see a lot of the camaraderie between obi-wan and anakin as they're kind of making their way through the ship and i love how obi-wan hates flying that's like some sort of (laughs) thing that they've they've kept with that they he just hates he says oh this is for droids which (laughs) i find adorable um (laughs) r2d2 kicks a little butt on his own we see some of his apparatus in full force he tars and burns these two huge droids which i appreciate but huge set piece they come crashing down on coruscant big action sequence to start the film with with a bang but it's interesting that we kind of set up this grievous character that we had never seen before until this moment and then he's kind of the general of the droids what's his deal he has a heart he's a cyborg okay when I understand, he, like, slowly modded himself to be less mm-hmm. whatever he was in the first place. Yeah, he was, I forgot his backstory, but uh, they show a little bit in the Clone Wars where he was, like, an elite warrior. And he made himself interchangeable so he can just advance himself even more until he was pretty much just the heart and the, I'm assuming, just the eyes and the brain. But you see a statue of him in the Clone Wars when, I, I forgot, I think it's Kiadi Mundi's in his actual, like, temple. Oh, so he was a human first. Uh, not human. He was a he was a different species, but he basically kind of turned himself into Vader, if you think about it, on purpose. Interesting. Yeah, his design's really cool. He loves lightsabers. Uh, later, and when he's uh, battling Obi Wan, he like crawls like a spider. Like I don't know. He he's a very cool, different design for a character in the universe. Um, yeah, I like that he collects lightsabers. I think that's a really cool... Little trophies. Yeah. 
So do we know anything about his overall motivation in this? Why he's teamed up with all of them? And does he just like killing Jedi or? You know, I really, I really don't know. I could do with the Grievous novel. Like I, I could get down with that. Yeah, I, I could, I could, I could, I could get with that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun to read. I, same with Dooku. They both yes. need it. Yeah. So moving forward, we crash land on Coruscant. We have are thrown right into the love story again. Padme is pregnant. I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, do you think Anakin's happy at the beginning? Uh, he, it's not one of those typical, like, oh, the man's surprised and then immediately happy. He looks legitimately concerned. And I'm curious if he was actually thrown by the idea of being a father and if that contributed any to his upcoming anxieties. Because he's so focused on Padme, but not so much on the children and saving them. Or right. it was just one, <laughs> to his knowledge. But uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean... He, he, does he seem happy? I mean, not not really. Right? It seems like he's very sad. He just looks sad. Like, when they're flying into into Grievous' ship, he's just like, mm, I'm kind of bummed out. Like, but, well, I think he... Yeah. I think he realized he just broke a big rule in the Jedi Order, and now he's like, well, shoot, I've been trying to become a Jedi, you know, master this whole time, and now I've done probably the one biggest thing you're not supposed to do. Yeah, it's hard to hide so I, this. I think he... It's really hard to hide this, which, by the way... Did no one ever question Padme? Hey, who's who's the dad? <laughs> like the entire movie, you see the bump, yet no one asks this question. I think she could have just said none your business. Honestly, she probably did. It's just it's. I always thought that was kind of weird though that no one's like, hey, so uh, congratulations, you know, who's the father? The I think or something. I think Obi Wan. I know it's never said. I know it's not even alluded to. But, like, I feel like he knows that they're at least getting busy behind the scenes. I mean, he does figure out Yes, when in at, the movie. Yeah. yeah, at the end, he's like, yeah. it's his. I'm so sorry. Which, oh, gosh, Hugh McGregor is great in this movie. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I feel like he is at least aware that they're making out or something. Because they're... Con- Just making out. <laughs> Kids, that's how babies are made. No making out. He, knows the, he has to know that there's an emotional attachment. I mean, we don't see it in the movies but yeah. we know he had his his own relationship with uh, i mean oh, what was her that, name from that elevator War? ride in in episode two was enough of a red flag and then yeah. and then i mean obviously this happened after but throughout clone wars like anakin's constantly being like if padme is involved he's like we have to save padme and everyone's like slow your roll there's like bigger things going on so yeah but I just find it interesting that he doesn't ever, his motivation through this whole film, because shortly, you know, after, we, you know, he finds out she's pregnant, he starts having dreams that she dies in childbirth, and his concern is very focused on her, and he never, ever brings up this child again. Um, even at the end, he doesn't ask, you know, what about my child to Sidious, which I find interesting, um, and kind of speaks to how Darth Vader never really finds out about it until way way later because i just don't think he's concerned by it at all um yeah he had no emotional connection to these kids yeah i just found that strange upon reviewing i hadn't really thought about it from that point of view but but anyway moving forward i just think this movie as a whole going through the script makes a lot more sense there's i mean we know we're gonna end where we're gonna end up so every scene with anakin and palpatine carries a weight to it he puts anakin on the council against the jedi's wishes and then the jedi ask anakin to spy on him and it gets very very 
tense for Anakin and he doesn't really know what to do. And to his credit, like that's a tough situation. You have the leader of the Republic telling you one thing and then your Jedi Council telling you another. Um, yeah. He's not really sure where to go. And, and I appreciate the, the way they build up his, you know, be, him being so unsure does make sense. Any, any thoughts on his, his evolution throughout this film? I mean, we see more of the death denial thing continuing because now that his mom is dead, he's like, you know, he's experienced loss. And then he starts having the same dreams about Padme. So then it, so then he gets really scared. Um, I actually think that his acting gets a lot better between episode two and this one. Mm-hmm. It's, there's like a little bit of like, you know, genuineness to his concern when he's like talking to Palpatine, like it's especially in the opera scene. Yeah. Which man, well, that was a great scene. I love that scene. Yeah, when he talks about the history of Darth Plagueis, but doesn't that ring some bells for Anakin? How does he know all of this stuff? I, th- I think he's just blinded by what's going on yeah. and his concern about you know every, every, everything. Like you said, he's having to spy on two different groups that he's supposed to be trusting in. Mm-hmm. And now he's having these dreams that, oh, his wife is going to die. Well, at this point, he's trying to grasp that straw, trying to find any way to keep her alive. And, and the Jedi, too, remember, I think, what was it, in Attack of the Clones, where Yoda was saying that even the Jedi were being blinded by this, you know, dark force. I mean, it, the same thing's happening to him. He he can't see the evil in front of him because it's offering him a chance to protect something that he loves. Yeah, he frames it very specifically towards... Anakin's fear, he capitalizes on it very literally by saying, I might be able to teach you how to, you know, give someone eternal life, stop someone from dying. I mean, that's a pretty enticing deal for someone who's so terrified of death. And a lot of what Palpatine says in that in that conversation is so interesting. You know, he says about how the Je- Jedi want control of the Republic and all who gain power are scared to lose it. Um, good is, is a point of view. Um, very interesting kind of muddying of, of uh, Anakin's moral waters there. Um, and, you know, the council really, I, I'm confused why they don't take him aside at some point and say like, hey, you know, we know you're probably getting these mixed messages. They, they, were, they were skeptical of Palpatine and I, and I kind of blame the council for letting Anakin get so friendly with him to begin with, knowing that Anakin was, a, was potentially the chosen one. Yeah. Um, they definitely even notice too. I think there's some skept- skeptical people on the Jedi Council too with Anakin, even from the very beginning with him having been so old, and now he's being forced onto the council. I don't think they fully trust him either. Mm. Mm-hmm. Though Obi Wan does. I made a note of Obi-Wan that. Obi Wan does, yeah. Like early, uh, right when they got um, after the first big battle set piece, you know, Obi Wan takes a second to just say like something about how he's uh, really respects him and he's really proud of him. Um, which was just a really nice thing. And clearly their relationship, the two of them, has improved greatly since episode two, where Anakin was very angry at Obi-Wan and didn't think that he had his respect. Um, but clearly the Clone Wars, and you know, as we see in the series, Anakin proves himself to be a very, very capable Jedi. But as we see, Obi-Wan is not enough to keep Anakin grounded as it goes along. But... Um, it, it is, Mace Windu is, is very intense as things go along. And I feel like, you know, when it comes down to that final confrontation, 
a couple kinder words said to Anakin could have gone a long way to preventing the apocalypse. But I love the fan theories about how we never saw Mace Windu die. Yes, I made that note. I, I, I do. I, like, I do. I love that uh, Samuel L. Jackson because he's a big Star Wars fan too. I love that he's like so adamant. Like you know, other Jedi have fallen further distances and survived and stuff. I'm like, well, yes. look at Darth Maul right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Give us a give us a you know, Mace Windu who's all burned up and has one eyeball. Like Nick Fury. <laughs> Missing a hand, like a Robo hand. Oh, there you go. He is Nick Fury. What if he shows up in Rebels season four? Would that be one more season? Incredible. He, he was the Bendu guys. <laughs> yeah. But imagine, like, because they could get that voice actor back, and they just have, like, a burned-up, like, gross-looking Mace Windu shows up. Oh, my God, dude. That'd be so awesome. Yeah. That would be cool, but do you think that, that the Star Wars story would, would like, gain anything from having the character come back? My concern is that he was such an important character and had such a strong role that then, for him to come back, it yeah. changes well, the story. Well, I don't know. Or it could change. I feel like he's an interesting point of view uh, watching episode three again, because he was so intense about taking down Palpatine in that scene, so maybe he could offer some some words of caution um, Yeah. about trying to keep a level head uh, when trying to fight the Empire, or else you might get thrown out a window, you know, kind of just offering that as a warning. Where did Anakin get his face scar? Uh, oh, that was explained. Where was it from? Does he have it in Clone Wars? Do they have a little? I, oh. I mean, now I'm gonna have to Google. You can. Someone can look that up. Where um, did? Oh, hey, hey, here we go. Where did Anakin get his scar? Do, 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 do. Oh my God, George! It's uh, <laughs> so. Are you on John, the thought.co article? Yeah, John. John Knoll <laughs> asks. So how did Anakin get that scar, George? And he responds, "I don't know. Ask Howard." Who's Howard? Howard Rothman, president of Lucas Licensing or whatever. No, oh, thanks. So, so basically, the in canon thing is that we just never saw him get the scar because even the in canon explanation references things that happened in between episodes of the Clone Wars. I mean, it happened in the original Clone Wars shorts where he gets the scar, but not in the new canon. Right. Oh. They okay. just wanted him to look cool like it's probably just a thing like now he you know he's a battle different worn. person like he's yeah. bad yeah he's battle worn or all that stuff so like that's cool but yeah it, yeah there's no explanation that's too bad clone wars i feel like they could have gotten i on love top of that. george's dumb response though <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know what the scar reminds me of yeah just ask did, uh, the other guy did you, you know. did you guys watch terminator 2 mm-hmm. i haven't seen any terminators what i know in uh terminator 2 they showed john connor like later the resistance uh, as an adult, and he takes off the goggles or his uh, binoculars, and he has this giant scar running down the side of his face. Mm. Yeah, it's very similar to that. Every single time I see Anakin with it, I think of John Connor. It's kind of an easy way to say like, "I'm older. I've been through some stuff." Becky, I'm, Terminator yeah, uh, One and Two are real good. I know, I know, I know. It's on like a long list, a long shame nerd list. Yeah, you can skip the rest. Yeah, the <laughs> rest are garbage. You just need to watch One and Two. <laughs> Fair enough. Three is the okay. Story, the story, like, re- two yeah. actually literally ends the story, but they were like, let's just keep making more. So. Mm. I was okay with the third one. You shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only reason I'm okay with this because Judgment Day does, you know, you can't avoid it. But the rest of them. Okay, sorry. Back to Star Wars. Yeah. 
So just one more Sorry quick uh, thing. We'll, we'll talk more about Anakin and Obi-Wan when we, when we talk about that final scene. But early on, in the same breath that Obi-Wan says, you know, I'm really proud of you. I, I, you're, you're, you've really grown so much. Anakin says, I, have, I know I haven't been appreciative of your training. I've been arrogant. So it, there's clearly like a lot of growing that's been done at least for the two of them since the last right. film. Clearly Anakin's feelings towards the Jedi Council hasn't changed, but I, I like that they set up early on that the, the relations between the two of them is is pretty strong, which makes the final betrayal uh, that much more resonant. Um, but real quick, what do we think about Wookiees? Is this just for fun fan stuff? Is that why yeah, you that Yeah, it kind of is. Like it was, It was interesting. None of the Kashyyyk stuff matters. Mm, <laughs> like, it really doesn't. Not at all. Uh, the only thing it do- it serves to do is to have Yoda be away from the temple so that he can come back and have his awesome, cool fight, which is awesome and cool, but it's like he could have been anywhere else. You could have just said, like, he was out on a mission. But And then they have that thing I hate where they're like, he's like, goodbye, like, so-and-so, and then... Chewbacca, like looks yeah. at the, the screen. It's like, yeah. It's like oh there's that little God. pause before he says Chewbacca's name too. So you're like, who is it? And then you realize, like, oh, I think it was a way for George to finally visual, like, see and create something that he had. You know, they came up with the idea of Kashyyyk when they were working on Endor, and it just didn't work out right. the way that they wanted to. I think this is just a way for him to shoehorn that in to finally be able to see that planet. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's different. It's cool. It's exotic, which he was always about. Yeah was going to like new places. It's like I don't want to go to another snow planet. We already had a snow planet. Let's go to a planet that's got giant mushrooms. Or let's go to like, you know, a planet that's made out of just diamonds, just a diamond planet, you know? <laughs> it's like just crazy stuff, which it's like I appreciate, but at the same time it's like we know there are lots of snow planets, lots of desert planets. It's like it's fine. So It'll be okay. <laughs> he says Yoda at the beginning says that he has good relations with the Wookiees. And then when he's leaving, he says, Chewbacca, I'll miss you. Do we have... Because <laughs> they're best friends. They, fi- they um, backpack and everything, you know. Yeah. Do we have any... Do they meet in Clone Wars? Is there any Wookiee background? I don't even think Chewbacca's in Clone Wars. I didn't think so either. No, I don't think we see him at all. So we have no context for why Yoda and Chewie are besties. Yeah, good relations with the Wookiees I have for some reason. Oh, wait. <laughs> we have no idea. When when uh, Ahsoka gets kidnapped and they're hunting her and the other Padawans, there's Wookiees there. Was Chewie in there? I don't remember if Chewbacca is one of them or not. One of our listeners can let us know. Yeah, someone tell me because I don't want to watch the episode right now. <laughs> um, and then one final question on the Wookiees. Do the clones massacre them? Because uh, when they're looking for Yoda at the end, the clones are walking around just a bunch of dead Wookiees. Is that... Do they turn on, on Kashyyyk in that moment? I don't know. I think they do. I think they kill them in order to kill the Jedi. But the mm-hmm. Wookiees were used as slave labor by the Empire, which we see in, in uh, Rebels. So I don't think they went to wipe out the planet. I think they just killed those that they needed to in order to get uh, Order 66 completed. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So many questions. Oh, okay. So uh, I found this interesting. Anakin's dream changes a little bit. At the beginning, it's just Padme crying, and then mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's in the dream. And then Cry. from that moment on, he gets very <laughs> suspicious of Obi-Wan. Strangely. Like, 
it, it's weird how much emotional uh, intensity he gets from these dreams. I mean, I guess when your mom dies after you have a dream of her dying, you, you tend to put a lot of stock in them. Um, but that's the moment where he starts being really skeptical of Obi-Wan. So Obi-Wan is then sent to, I'm not sure the name of that planet, to help the guys with the weird lines down their faces that have vampire teeth. Oh, yeah, the, the vampire people. They're like, we're being held hostage or whatever they say. Yeah, uh, that, that's a really cool Clone Wars-esque uh, moment, which I really enjoy. Yeah, I forgot that, that they're, they are being held hostage or whatever. Because they get there and they're like, there's no war here. And I'm like, what is this whole scene <laughs> going on, like about? And then and then they're like, maybe you should just go away. We're in, t- we're in trouble. Help Please us. Help. help us. Yeah. I like that. I like that moment. I thought that was really cool. The design yeah. of those guys is really dramatic. I really like that. Yeah, they're they're weird, but... Uh, same species as the Grand Inquisitor as well. Oh. Just a little connection oh. to Rebels. Same species. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. What's the name of the species? I don't remember. Oh. They have really cool red collars, though. Yeah, very dramatic. Um, also, the creature that Obi-Wan is riding around in that sequence is cool too yeah the hiccuping lizard or whatever (laughs) (laughs) that is the official name or whatever i like that i feel i always get kind of sad when it when it gets shot off the thing and it's like like goes all the way down i'm like no yeah it's so sad um then all of a sudden everything's going well and then order 66 happens let's take a moment to discuss 66 now for people who haven't watched Clone Wars, I think it's a little less tragic. I mean, obviously seeing the Jedi die is sad, but when you watch Clone Wars, you realize that they're being killed by like their buddies. These people yeah. are arm in arm in the trenches. We love these clones. And that brings the question, and let me know if there's an answer, because I'm honestly not sure. Is it a program? Is it instructions? It's a chip. Okay. It, yeah, it's a, a biological chip that was programmed inside of them. Uh, there's a whole, I think, was it the last season of, of Clone Wars? Yeah, there's a whole it's like an the, awesome arc. Just that storyline. Yeah, good soldiers follow orders. Yep. One of the one of the clones, they're on a mission, and like uh, it's like the first episode of the final season of Clone Wars. They're on a mission, Anakin and like these two other Jedi who are twins, and then one of the clones chips malfunctions, and he kills both of them. Uh, just and one. They, or he only kills one? I thought he killed both. I'm pretty sure he just kills a green one. Yeah. And then, you know, he's like going all nuts. And then and then it's Fives, right? Who's like, there's chips inside of us or whatever. And like, they're going crazy. And everybody's like, you're crazy. You're like, just, just go see a counselor or whatever. And he's like, no, I'm telling you. Like, they're going to, something's wrong. And then, yeah. It's, it's a really emotional episode, especially when they start talking about the dreams that the clones have. And mm. then you start realizing that whatever the, this Order 66 has been programmed inside of them from the beginning. I mean, it's ex- the Kaminoans explained that it's a way to prevent any clones from going rogue. But then when Fives and Tut, who is the one that uh, realizes he killed the, the Jedi, mm-hmm. um, when they start looking into it, they start realizing that this Order 66, they've been dreaming about this, not, not knowing what it was. And that it's always been a part of them. I love that. I love that dimension. It gets, it gets real deep and dark. It's like some yeah. Manchurian candidate yeah, it's, kind it's, of thing. Yeah. It's a great way to explain it. I think, I mean, it's a much better way than midichlorians explaining the Force. Um, but <laughs> so, it, it works so well in the cartoon. 
It does, and it adds so much more tragedy to that moment. That sequence where they go through and you're just seeing these Jedi who, you know, through Clone Wars and, and larger fandom, you, you come to really love, and then they all just get gunned down in such a brutal way. It also makes it more believable, because if you don't know about the chip, they don't explain it. It almost seems like when you watch it, like they've been in on it the whole time. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, which they haven't necessarily been in on it the whole time. They don't know until they hear the words, and then they're like, oh, yeah. So, and then just quick question, wrapping that part of it up. Uh, Rex, uh, he appears later in Rebels. Yeah. Did he kill Jedi? Did he? No, they they talk about that when he and their whole crew comes back. They say that after the whole fives thing happened, they they re- they removed the chips themselves. Mm. So yeah. they didn't end up turning when the whole thing went down. You see a little scar on the side of their heads where the chips were, where they uh, removed them. So very dark, probably the darkest moment. You know, I mean, obviously newer stuff is pretty dark, too. Um, Force Awakens' dark moment might be the darkest, but definitely up until this point in the Star Wars universe, seeing all these Jedi and then Anakin slaying children, uh, yeah. that's pretty much as dark as this series gets. And it's 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 good that this is, I mean, not good to see the death of children, but <laughs> you, you want to give the creation of Darth Vader a really dark beginning and it doesn't get much more dark Darker. than that. Yeah. Um, you know, later when Anakin comes back from the Jedi temple and tries to explain it to Padme, he, the way he puts it in context for himself, um, mm-hmm. I will not betray the Republic. I am, my loyalties are with the Chancellor and the Senate and you. And that makes sense. You know, from a certain point of view, that makes sense. He thinks the Jedi are trying to take over. He's been asked by the Jedi to spy on the Chancellor. You I know. mean, he's he's conflicted because he does find out that Palpatine is a Sith Lord. And he's like, well, I'm going to go tell. He's like, I won't say anything. But then he immediately goes to Mace Windu and he's like, yo, Palpatine's a Sith Lord. He's like, well... We better deal with this, but then the way he deals with it is like, let's go overthrow the government, and you're like, well, hang on, like, yeah, and then he has this these conflicting feelings because then the guy who is his ultimate villain is the only one who can save Padme, you know, and he's like so concerned. Yeah, totally. And I had written here that it's really Mace Windu's fault. <laughs> I like trying to. Put, <laughs> you I like trying to you made me do it. <laughs> um, oh because because uh, when when he does go and say, "Hey, Palpatine's freaking evil. Let me come with you." He's like, "Nah, you stay here." And I think that was one condescension too far. I think he was like, <laughs> "Seriously, I I was been doing your spying. I've done it, and now you're still gonna treat me like a child." You've gone too far. Like Honestly, I'm curious. Honestly, if, that, if he had said yes, like how would that have changed things? I think it would have been the same result because no matter what, this is the one person who might be able to save his wife. And if Mace Windu's going to try to kill him, he's Anakin's going to do whatever he can to, to prevent his death. But like, I guess he's just that scared. And I guess that's what everybody's been saying. Fear, fear, fear. He was just so scared. Yeah. Oh, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to Mace Windu flying out a window. <laughs> So Palpatine takes You'll out... You'll believe a man can fly. Palpatine <laughs> takes out three Jedi, by the way, when they come to arrest him, within like two seconds, just Which, kind yeah, of spinning around. Freaking Palpatine but is I, awesome. I, I, I've never enjoyed that scene because some of the Jedi are it. literally just standing there and they get stabbed. Yeah. There's no blocking. There's no nothing. Though. Come on. Right? Like, this guy ha- was out. awesome. And, and every... Kit Fist is the one character that look, looks at the camera and smiles and attacks the clones. 
and then he literally puts his hands up in the air and gets stabbed. I, I feel yeah. like that scene could have been a little, think, a little tighter. I, I think what they were trying to convey was that, like, Palpatine is, like, really fast and skilled, so they, they're caught off guard. But, like, it doesn't come off that way because it's all running at, like, normal speed. Yeah. So it sort of just looks like they're kind of just standing there and, like, letting themselves get killed. Yeah, it... I agree with you, uh, but everything after that is pretty dope. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, one good swipe maybe with a lightsaber just cutting all their heads off or just something really sudden maybe, but it's just a shame that three great Jedi, including Kit, Kit Fisto, have to go out that way. You know what I also love, and uh, they did this in Clone Wars on purpose, there was always this, like, didn't uh, his lightsaber get knocked out of his you know, out of the window or whatever. How does he have it when he's back at the Senate building or he's fighting Yoda? And they explain it in Clone Wars because he has two. Because mm-hmm. he fights with two. He has two red lightsabers. So he, and the re- the only reason he's using the one is because he's like, you know, this is my like emergency sleeve shank. You know, <laughs> if something goes down and then he has his other one so can you imagine yeah. the little I like, kid i like that they did that can you imagine the little kid on coruscant who like finds the other lightsaber on the ground oh there's a like, there's a, there's a story. story right there dude yeah like start it. start plugging away that and sounds then awesome 10 seconds later <laughs> mace windu lands on him and the story <laughs> is done that's the end of the story no and the two of them escape and then you have like a like a last of us like <laughs> older guy young person trying to run from the empire i like it yeah so meanwhile while all this is happening Obi-Wan is like try is fighting uh General Grievous super sexy. He keeps Obi-Wan Ewan McGregor brought it in this film. Like he did his lightsaber training and like when he poses to get to start fighting and his hair falls in his face, it's like, "Yes." Um, <laughs> there's two times he does it. And he does like these poses and he's just yeah. great. And it goes back to my theory that I think Obi-Wan's the most talented Jedi. Because not only does he not get taken out by a bunch of clones, he also takes down General Grievous. Like, he's dealing... In the process. Yeah, he's dealing with what everyone else is dealing with, and then some. Yeah. So. Well, I, I love that he takes out Grievous with a blaster, though. Like, he doesn't even get to use his lightsaber to kill him. He shoots him in the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And then he says, you know, so uncivilized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, good, a good callback to episode four. Yep. Or I guess call forward, in a way. Yeah. But... He uh, he's, he has such humor. I love it. He's just yeah. such a great character. He's very um, casual after he kills Grievous too. You know, this is a character that yeah, he's not seen. like yes, or at least like wipe the sweat off your brow or something. You even find this guy I in know. a whole war and he shoots someone. He's like for eh, years, all right, like, I'm implied. Done. Yeah, implied years have gone by and he of, of fighting, and he's just like, oof, wow, right, that was tough. On to the next. <laughs> so, hands getting cut off. Lots of hands getting cut off. Oh, yeah. Like, Mace Windu gets his hand cut off before he dies. And then Dooku actually gets both of his cut off before he gets decapitated. So I'd like to see, like, an ultimate hand count of lost Jedi hands. So that's two. And then Mace Windu. (laughs) And then... Anakin, Luke. Oh, yeah. Does Anakin lose his other hand? Because he loses his hand in episode two. But does he lose his other hand when he gets his legs cut off? Does he? Because he's crawling with one arm. Is that his robot arm? I think he does. Because how? Well, hold on. Let's 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 find a picture he of Anakin. Both his legs. I think it is his robot arm that is left. 
Well, his right hand gets cut off because it's symbolic of you know your right hand is your is your that your righteous hand in mythology. Ooh. So when his right hand gets cut off, it's like symbolic that you know he's falling from righteousness. Yeah, it looks like he got both arms cut off. Interesting. Yep. So one Padme uh, Anakin note: there's a series of shots without any dialogue with really cool music, where. Anakin's thinking and Padme's thinking and they're in different locations and that's the best scene the two of them have. (laughs) (laughs) And they're not together. (laughs) They're not together. They're not speaking. But for some reason, George Lucas decided to have a little bit of, uh, you know, just kind of mood. And I really like that moment. I just wanted to give a shout out to an actual, like, filmic moment that takes place (laughs) right when things are changing. He actually did it. (laughs) And when a face melty... Sidious is really gross, and once he's come out, he's no—he's face melty, he's evil, and Anakin's like, like, what have I done? That's his first reaction. Yeah, what have I done? Like he says it in a weird way he's, that I don't really like. He's but... kind of distraught, but then I yeah, guess he's about to cry, holding back. Yeah, but I guess he just realizes now he's at a point of no return. Um, this is before also, he slays the children. I don't like like. I don't know why Sidious sounds like he's he's yelling through a bugle when he's talking in this scene only. He has this weird echo effect yeah. coming off his voice, and it's gross. Like, I don't know why they did that. And it's not gross like in, ew, he's evil. It's gross like, why does this sound like this? He sounds like he had laryngitis. Um, I think well, what, what like they're trying to do is... super shocked. Darth, Darth Vader, <laughs> do you happen to have Darth a horse that I could have? I think what it was is that this is the first point where you see Sidious really be able to express his sithiness, and it just kind of mm-hmm. pours out. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole time yeah. he's been so restrained. I mean, he kind of wears the the cloak every now and then in hollow videos, but but nothing to the point to where he's knighting the next Sith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he says, once more Sith will rule ga- the galaxy, we will have peace. Well, to be fair, too, he had just been electrocuted. His vo- his throat might be a little raw. He he may need a, a lozenge. Do we think Anakin buys this peace stuff, or is he just like, this is the way I get Padme? I think, well, he has that whole thing in episode two. Where he's like, well, you know, whatever brings order. And I think he's finally just at this final straw where he's like, I want to bring order. He wants to bring yeah. order, save his wife. And at this point, he's gone so far in, onto the dark side. Is that craving of power too? So he goes back. He sees Padme. He's like, "I, everything's gonna be okay. I got this." And she's like, yeah, "I don't know about this." Um, he's like, "I'm gonna go to Mustafar. I've been given this really special mission. I'll check you later." And <laughs> one of my favorite things that I picked up on this time is he goes, he he hops back into his little starship, and R two D two is like sitting in the co-pilot seat, and he's like, "Beep beep beep beep." And C-3PO goes, well, he's under a lot of stress. <laughs> and it's like, R2 was just like, yo, he just massacred 15, like, six-year-olds. And C-3PO's like, he's under a lot of stress. But do they know that? I think R2 was, R2-D2 like, R2-D2 knows everything. Yeah. He, he has seen it all. Um, I also really like the moment. I mean, under they underutilize Jimmy Smiths, in my opinion. They do. Mm-hmm. But there's a moment. Because Jimmy Smiths is awesome. He's great. And he comes to the Jedi Temple when it's burning. 
and the clones kind of like wave him away and you know he's like it's time for you to leave and and he goes and so it is and he just like walks away and he sees the kid get shot the like young 14 year old boy jedi who tries to his best to survive and it's just so sad and dark do you know um, who that little boy is nope that is george lucas's son oh there you go so he wrote a scene where his son gets killed <laughs> well that, that's yeah, real dark aren't all his kids in all the like in those movies though they're kind of peppered through it and then and then he finally makes his his first cam first and only cameo in this one too um i forgot this yeah he's like one of the blue guys yeah like senator chuchi i forgot what what they are but yeah. he's one of those folks so obi-wan and yoda return to the temple um as an emergency meeting of senate is being called um and they start seeing all these bodies with lightsaber wounds. And they're kind of like, huh, I wonder how this has happened. And you get the sense Yoda knows. And maybe Obi-Wan does too. He just doesn't want to admit it yet. Because, um, like, why haven't they heard from Anakin? Like, and there are yeah. lightsaber wounds. Clearly somebody went through here with a lightsaber and killed everyone. Um, when Obi-Wan does find out, Yoda gives him the instruction to go find Anakin. And he pretty much, he literally says, he's like, my brother, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And Yoda says, the boy you've trained is gone. Gone he is, consumed by Vader. Which is where that story comes from. Yoda gives him the idea, that, or the phrasing that Vader killed Anakin. Yeah. Um, which is interesting and sad. And... I think even in the, there's a, there's like a dream sequence in one of the Darth Vader comics where it shows Anakin falling into like obi-wan basically it's like the it's like obi-wan pushing anakin into the lava and then out of the lava comes darth vader mm. to like kill him it's like this cool like dream sequence thing and and he talks about like anakin is dead and stuff like that it's it's uh like he even believes it that you know whoever he was as anakin he's not even that person anymore like that person's dead i killed him Basically. Yeah, and the person who took his place apparently has red, glowy, yellowy eyes. And I have a note here that's like, does being evil make your eyes turn red and yellow? It's the, uh, yeah. it's the allergies. <laughs> <laughs> when you turn to the dark side, yeah, you get the red and yellow eyes. And then we have the emergency meeting of the Senate with Padme's line, this is how liberty dies, with thunderous applause. And, you know, kind of, if you look at just the Senate, and, and we've talked about this in the past two episodes, as a bookend to the whole idea of using a war to seize power, it is a very good description of how a, a, a democracy can become a dictatorship. That's kind of, those are the steps. And uh, then he's a victim and he's like, I've been horribly scarred and, you know, it won't happen to us again. Rah, rah, rah. And um, real quick, just to add to the, to the scene, one thing that I thought that would, had always bugged me is that people did not like the Senate scenes in uh, was it, uh, The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. But even though there's all, you know, the political and all that stuff, it leads up to this moment. It makes this moment mm-hmm. feel even more powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that this one guy is now in charge of, of all this himself. It's not just like, oh, hey, by the way, guys, I'm, I'm your emperor. It's the fact that through all, all this litigation and all this, you know, bickering, they've given one person all of their power. And at this point, they've created the empire, something that's going to, you know, hold everyone down except for themselves. Yeah, I actually also rewatched A New Hope um, the other day. Actually, it's weird because in the opening like twenty minutes, uh, someone's like, "Oh, the the Senate will never 
let you do this or this you know they tell mm-hmm. darth vader that and then within 10 minutes tarkin's like oh the senate's gone by the way oh yeah they, like they, yeah we they got we got rid of it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah Curious why it took so long funny. for them to just dissolve the Senate. Probably because you don't want to do something like that overnight. Well, and also I think it's it's mentioned in this film actually that it's far too difficult to maintain power as a just an individual dictator over what is presumably tens of thousands of star systems. So right. I think some also sort of apparatus. The 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 stealing of the Death Star plans might have rushed that too at this point you, ah. they're they're kind of worried you know they have the super weapon they haven't really put it out there now that the rebellion knows it exists and has the plans well we got to figure out a way to squash any support they may have in the senate well get rid of the senate just have yeah. the different what do you that do? is a great right? point just i mean wow you don't really see it in those <laughs> movies but but with rogue one having come out we get a little mm-hmm. bit more of the backstory as to how okay you know what we screwed up they have these plans we got to get rid of any support they may have because they refer to the support in the senate well, get rid of it. You see yeah. it in uh, Rebels, too, how Mon mm-hmm. Mothma is, like, at first really active, and then after some losses, she's like, we need to take a step back. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's still a political... They still think that perhaps politics can prevail at some points, but... She is on the happen. run in Rebels when she finally appears. She's like, well, they found me out. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good episode, too. Yeah, that was a cool episode. So now we've gotten to the final matchup. Let's do... Yoda and Sidious first. Yeah. It was a cool fight. My favorite part of the whole thing is at the very beginning, Yoda walks in, two, like, red Imperial Guard guys, he just throws <laughs> them against the wall. Yeah. And they were, he's like, hey, what's up? Like, so chill. I love that. Yeah, I love the quick um, uh, high noon revolver kind of thing that Sidious does with his lightsaber mm. when he's like Darth Vader will become more powerful than either of us. I mean like just goes Wah! just pops it out. Oh my god, I love that. It's so do you, cool. Do you think he believes that? Cuz why would he train someone who would be a challenger to him? Cuz that's I mean that's part of it. That's that, part of the role of the Sith in a way too. Yeah. Yeah, it's like survival of the fittest. In a way, it's like the Sith dominate if the strongest is always on top. You know, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. might also be a, so, a way for Palpatine to challenge himself if he's creating a an apprentice that can topple him. Well, I need to make sure I am always above him. Keeps him also wanting more of the power, gets him deeper into the dark side. Yeah. So the two of them battle. Duel of the Fates comes back, which is great. Uh, great piece of music. Uh, yeah. Nice bringing it back in. They're hopping around, throwing these senate platforms at each other i love that which thing. Is cool. so cool like yeah. when yoda starts spinning one of them and palpatine's kind of they look like little kids for a moment because palpatine's hopping from platform to platform and he kind of laughs and he sees that giant thing spinning at him it shoots straight from yoda and he just kind of like oh, and then jumps away they're just <laughs> oh. it's it's a fun scene Funny. it's a fun scene though neither of them gets the better of either of them they yeah. just kind of go their separate ways and then waddle away i want to know who had to clean up that mess can you imagine and be like hey uh yeah what happened like let's just get rid of the senate like this is a huge mess the like, guys we, we broke all this stuff we need to bring in some some droids to fix this for tomorrow's meeting the janitor walks in just quits uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the story another I great see. story right. yeah for the for the from a certain point of view the guy who has to clean up the senate the uh, plumber um, on the death star all well i things. just got done cleaning the entire senate building darth vader he's like man i just cleaned up all the blood in his senate chambers and now this what the hell here's the boom box with duel of right? fates he's like oh no 
<laughs> so now we're on Mustafar, which, uh, remind me, is there any significance to this planet other than just that's where they go to hang out? Not really. Like, it's a planet that no one would go to because it's just volcanic and, like, a barren wasteland. Mm. And so I think that's sort of why he's hiding, like, Newt Gunray and stuff there. So let's so. talk about the moment when Anakin sees Padme arrive. Padme does not know that Obi-Wan's on her ship. And so she's just trying to come and meet up with Anakin. And he's super evil and super angry. And it's clear that between his conversation with her and then when Obi-Wan does reveal himself that he's not even thinking about being really a Sith. He's thinking about taking down Palpatine. Um, he's saying, I'm more powerful than him. I can overthrow him. Um, so he's not following anybody's rules at this point. He's not under the sway of Sidious, I don't think. I mean, and that really was cemented to me reading the Darth Vader comics, too. Yeah. Is that he's his own person, especially after Padme dies. Well, he's on his own trajectory. It's interesting, too, because I like the way Star Wars sort of deals with anger because anger can be an actual like a great motivating tool in a way like if you're angry about some you know grant great issue or something that anger can be channeled into something that's good you know Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily bad to be angry like we all get angry but the but getting so angry that you can't control yourself is sort of like you know, that's why the Jedi, like, try to stay away from anger because it is just, like, like a domino effect in a way. Like, if you just, like, if you tap into that once and mm-hmm. then you're like, wow, that anger was a great motivating tool and it made like me strong like and I got stuff done. And then it's like, let me go deeper and deeper until I drown, basically, in it. And at this point, he's just drowning in it and doesn't see any reason or anything. Is there anything either of them could have said to him in that moment to have stopped? No, <laughs> no, he's he's too far gone. Yeah. And he chokes Padme, and I'm going to just say that that's what kills her. I really hate the died of a broken heart thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, like I, I think he killed her, and I really, really hate the, the the fan theory about how Palpatine killed her, like from a distance. No, I don't know what? if you guys have heard, that. heard that. Okay, so there's no. a there's a fan theory out there where. Palpatine is the one who kills Padme from a distance, and he uses that to help Vader go farther, you know, and onto the dark side. But to me, I always thought it, it that doesn't feel right. It's Anakin, you know, he's trying to save his wife this whole time. He kills her himself. Yep. Like it's his own blind fury that causes this one thing he's been trying to avoid. Yeah. And it, it's a simple line change. It's just that one robot shouldn't have said, like, we don't know. There's medically, yeah. she's fine. Just take We're the line out. We're not sure why she's dying. <laughs> she could it's just die from heart. childbirth. Yeah. <laughs> None of the medication seems to be working. They're drugging her up. Because she even thinks, like, she has her two kids to live for. Again, nobody cares about these children. <laughs> like, you They're know. like, whatever, you know. This is babies. They all look the same. Why is she dying? So Padme's out, twins are in, but let's get back to the Obi-Wan. So it's Obi-Wan versus Anakin. Um, I remember when I first saw the final sequence with the lava and them hopping around, I really didn't like it. I thought the CGI was too heavy. I, I didn't, I wasn't a fan. Watching it again after watching Clone Wars, it feels like Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It matches 
the scale of some of the things that happens in Clone Wars. And if you want to say that they're part of the same universe, it, it feels better to have something that this grand be the moment between these two. Yeah, I, I, I almost feel like, though, sometimes less is more. Yeah. Like, I, I love the lightsaber fight in Force Awakens because it's grounded. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, like, both literally and figuratively grounded. Yep. And I am not as much a fan of, you know, that fight as much. Even though, which is weird because I do really love the Palpatine-Yoda fight, but I almost feel like it's these two just cosmically powerful dumb space wizards like just doing (laughs) crazy stuff so like i'm kind of okay with it because it's like what if the two most powerful people in the galaxy had a fight you know like it's it's just gonna be nuts so i i i kind of like that but when it's just like two random jedi it's like it's kind of in a vacuum it's a little yeah but also it's like over lava and it's like this roller coaster ride it's not like this static room where they're throwing things at each other like the other fight is oh i don't know and i've always enjoyed this one because i always kind of saw it as you see the the safety programs now that get knocked out and and all the uh the equipment that are on get consumed by lava it's it's you're literally seeing anakin being consumed by hate like this lava Mm. is a representation of all his emotion, all his frustration. He's trying. He's fighting Obi Wan Kenobi, but this lava is trying is almost killing the two of them themselves. Like they're mm-hmm. they're actually surrounded by hate. They're surrounded by his anger. So he's having to fight. It's just all that emotion that one moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it's ridiculous when they're surfing on the lava and there's a little droid that sees them fight and then turns away. Like it's it's pretty ridiculous. But it's pretty silly. It's it's silly. But like the moment when. I guess they're on this one large beam and it starts falling and they're just going into lava. I mean, you see on Anakin's face just how frustrated and how mad he is. And this yeah. entire planet is representative of what he feels at that moment. I like that. I like, like that Like, it just boils. It literally boils over. I do. I also like that. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And then uh, just a couple things Obi-Wan says. Before they start fighting, he says, I failed you. Earlier, uh, Yoda says, failed I have when he's leaving his fight. So... There's the sense of failure, which is just so sad. Um, and then, you know, Obi-Wan gets the higher ground. And... <laughs> that was, that's Anakin. the best meme that's, that's popped up out of that movie. What's the meme? It's just that, you know, I have higher ground. And, and when they had the Darth Maul versus Obi-Wan in the end of uh, Rebels, this past season of Rebels, people actually looked at the shot. He, he Obi-Wan literally has a high ground. Mm-hmm against against them it's just it just keeps coming back and forth i love it i like that that's yeah. funny and then uh slices and di- he tries he tells anakin don't do it i'm gonna cut you apart anakin goes for it anyway um he gets cut apart and then you mcgregor earns his paycheck you know you're my brother yeah. i loved you and then he just leaves him yeah. um takes which- a lightsaber though takes a lightsaber and, and walks away, which is so brutal. You know, he doesn't even kill him. He just he just walks away. I wonder why he takes the lightsaber. He knows there's kids. But is his in, is he thinking about his intention? Like, I'm going, one day I'm going to train these kids. You know, like, is that really what's going through his mind? I think he's trying to prevent Anakin from summoning it. I mean... Yeah, he's on fire and falling apart. I mean, that's true also. He could, he he could, could turn around, literally yeah. summon it, and do something. 
yeah. aside from the fact that Obi-Wan has to end up with it, I think you just fought this guy who just tried to kill you. Also, if you're Obi-Wan and you have and you have a relationship with this person, are you really going to let them burn to I, death like that? I was like about that? to bring That's that up. Yeah. Like, like, wouldn't you give them, like, a merciful death? Right? It's so harsh. Like, I would have walked up and been like, I'm so sorry, and, like, cut the head off and then, like, went and cried or something. You know? Like, I wouldn't have... I he wouldn't have been like, I'm going to let it. you die in this really terrible way. Yeah, as opposed to giving him a quick death, he, he literally lets this guy... He assumes that he's going to burn to death as he's walking away. But I actually do like that he burns... No, he doesn't burn to death, obviously. He yeah. just burns. He but crisps. Like, yeah, it's like his anger is so intense that he literally catches fire. I think mm-hmm. that's cool. And then we... Uh, Padme gives birth. Uh, you have the nice little birthing droid going, Ooh, bah. Which I love. Ooh, bah. I have that I want figure. someone to say that to me when I'm giving birth. Just go, ooh, bah. Just get a recording. Um... <laughs> Is and that boy or girl? What is that? What is that supposed to mean? Or is that just? I think it's girl. I think it's when the also, second one's coming. Also, also that droid has like this scooping mechanism. Yep. That was a clean birth, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that baby came out like spotless. It's a it space must be that baby. scooping it's mechanism. Space baby. Space baby. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the last thing that Padme says is, "I know there's still good in him," which is wonderful because that's what Leia says. Mm-hmm. And seeing Leia's character throughout all the way up until Force Awakens, we see that her main strength as, you know, I don't, can we call her a Jedi? I'm not sure. Is Force user. Force user, yeah. Is I think, first I think, user, we, I think yeah. we've settled on. Yeah. Is her ability to pick up on emotions and the fact that she remembers her mother when her and Luke talk about it years later is interesting, considering they clearly never met. Um, mm-hmm. But she gets this last thing. She's imprinted on this last moment from Padme, this last emotion, which is so wonderful. I don't know. I really like that connection. That made sense, though I hate. I just, Padme, just the last, it, it's just such a disservice to her. But she does have that one moment that she, you know, really lasts to save Vader in the end. So Right. Um, that kind of hope that they're still good in him. A new hope. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh. So, (laughs) she's preggers at the funeral. I did not get that until I read the Darth Vader comic. Mm -hmm. I I totally did not realize that. Um, I don't know why. I just I guess I guess I thought it was like just like belly, like just the belly that you get if you die right after you give birth. But I guess all bellies go down significantly more than that. But she still has her bump, and so that's why hypothetically Darth Vader thinks the kid's dead as well because they don't tell anybody that she gave birth but I didn't get ca- I didn't get that when I watched the movies back in the day yeah, it's very subtle when they're when they're pulling her in her casket but you can kind of see that her uh, mm-hmm. oh yeah because if yeah. they have to keep the kids a secret then everyone has to assume yep so then we have the final scene with Obi-Wan and Yoda saying they need to go in hiding um and Yoda being like hold up real quick Qui-Gon's back Let's talk about being ghosts. Yes. <laughs> and can, you... that, can that be the movie? Can 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 this be the Obi Wan movie? We have Obi Wan chilling on Tatooine in the desert and Force Ghost Liam Neeson walking around. I would love that. It's an hour of meditation. That's the entire movie. 
No, I wouldn't like that. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then he could have like weird, like Clone Wars esque, like meditation, you gotta, like you gotta make that like shiz. the novel that only the hardcore people read <laughs> is the Obi Wan having conversations in the desert with uh, Qui Gon. The first like, three Obi Wan doing the Jesus right? thing where he like fasts in the desert and he's like seeing Qui Gon. The first four chapters is just a description like of the desert, and then in chapter five, yeah. you see a little bit of something, but it's still oh, more desert. You want. You want good descriptions. You get the guy who wrote Tarkin. Oh, all that dude, all half that book is just descriptions of clothes. How they sewed his tunics, <laughs> how he shined his boots, yeah. where his Seriously? boots came from. Yeah, oh, I swear to, yeah, super it's a heavy description. But, but at least like certain points, it comes up in the plot. Yeah, it, mm. it's a good book. Like, it's just a lot of descriptions. Sometimes you just feel like yeah. you don't need that. It's just like his boots were cupped with and cut and that cusp and that thing and then his cufflinks and zip. I'm like, Two Jesus inches to Christ, the left, like, there was a scuff. Yeah. The scuff <laughs> came like, from hey, a rock we, uh, that he found as a child. Could we, yeah. like, do something? <laughs> <laughs> so just a quick wrap, a couple quick wrap-up thoughts. Uh, yeah. Poor C-3PO, his memory gets wiped at the end. I know, I feel so bad for him. Now he's not even the same person. So like, that explains a little bit of why there's some confusion on his end, having seen all of these people before. Um, but I love how R2-D2 laughs at him, too. They're like, wipe the protocol door, and R2-D2's like, ha ha. I'm like, what the f***? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> One other question. What, other ha- what happened to Jar Jar? What happened to Jar Jar? What happened to Jar Jar? Does Jar Jar live a long life and then die? He'd he be, uh, in, according to Aftermath, he becomes like a street clown like a, or whatever. Uh, he goes loony. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's canon. That's dark. Well, yeah, because they disband the Senate, and now he doesn't have a job, and he, he can't really go back to, well, I guess he could go back to... Altagunga. Well, maybe he can't go back to Naboo because he doesn't have any money. He can't get on a ship, you know? And all this was his fault, too, so... <laughs> Oh my gosh! I, so what? He just descends into insanity on, as a street well, person. Well, I mean, I don't know. He becomes like a he's like a clown, like a performing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's not like a crazy person, <laughs> like just roaming the streets. Like he 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 has a job. He's a street clown, a dirty street clown. Yeah, he's clown. a street clown. So whatever uh, that means. Coruscant, lowest level. It takes them like fifteen years, sixteen years to build this Death Star. I know we've talked about this before. Why? Why, why, why does it take so does long? It take so long? And it's then like... the next one, it takes like two seconds. Uh, they had this. I, I haven't read Catalyst, which I really need to. But I, I think the the uh, the crux of it is that the first time around, yeah, they have all these problems because even Krennic is yeah. like the the project stalled. We need you to come back or whatever. They had at least the um, structural plans from the Genosians. I think it was the super laser yeah. that they did not. They didn't fully develop. Yeah. So then the second time around they had everything figured out they're like well just don't put this shaft here and we're all good yeah. they found the <laughs> plan build it like, again just do this again just bigger yeah and then my final question that i have here is um alderaan is so beautiful it's a shame we don't see more of it um i know you get to you get that one glimpse of it mm-hmm. it's gorgeous it's like almost something like out of tolkien or something yeah um, rivendale yeah but uh, do Bail Organa, this is probably said in one of the novels, do, do, does Leia's foster parents, do they die when Alderaan gets blown up, or do they yeah. die earlier? Okay. They blow yeah, up. They do. Fun fact, and this isn't really a spoiler, but in the very the very opening of the Bloodline novel is a statue of Bail Organa being, like, unveiled. Mm. On, oh, uh, yeah, that is, whatever yeah, the, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, and... 
and I and I freaked out because it's they mentioned that it's like Jelu Kani like minerals or whatever, and I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, lost, <laughs> lost like, oh, our yeah. <laughs> every every that's episode so... of this podcast has a lo- lost sure, yep. stars reference. <laughs> Did you ever finish, Becky? No, I'm in the process. You I'm should. Really, I, I get so distracted. I need a bite still. Media things. It's really um, good. That's so sad. And like Leia just kind of carries on, you know, when yeah. that happens. But I guess, you know, she, that's what she does. Yeah. Um, well, that's all the notes I have uh, from a review, from a critical reception. This one was much better reviewed than the first two films. It ended up getting a 79 on Rotten Tomatoes to, uh, compared oh. to the 65 and the 62, I think, of the previous two. Well, that's good. Um, yes, many people rank it higher than A New Hope. Um, uh, I, I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a I don't bit know about that. Uh, I think there's moments that are great. Um, I think the the weight it carries is good, and I think it it delivered on what the promise of the prequel trilogy was, which is yeah. How did Anakin become Vader? I wonder if and we talked about this before, but I wonder if from what, like if the turning of Anakin was the end. Like, let's say the prequel was only two movies. This movie starts where it starts. And then I guess you get a little more backstory into, like, why this is happening. But then the end of the movie is him being knighted. And then you have a whole other movie. You know, Obi-Wan on the run and the kids and all that and the fight. and like That would have been good. Like, I feel like... That might have been interesting instead of like, oh, it's Tatooine kid. And, I, th- know, I, I think you still need to have the whole story with his mother passing away, though. They need to allude to that. But yeah, this movie this movie moves at a, a very quick pace. Um, so yeah, we go from conflict to killing children to killing wife very quickly. So, you know, it, it, it might have been nice to, to flesh it out. But I do feel the pace in this film is good. Um, so I'm not sure if that would have made much of a difference. But Right. That's it. All right. Let's just go. We're going right into it. We're going right into the news. I have good news for you, my lord. All right. Uh, Fantasy Flight Games, who actually has the exclusive license right now to make Star Wars board games, has announced a new Star Wars board game. Star Wars Legion is a miniatures battle game similar to Warhammer and Warhammer 40K, if anyone's played one of those. Um, It is a tabletop war game that consists of, like, foot soldiers and stuff. And it goes by, like, a point system. So it's it's very much similar to those Warhammer games. The miniatures are unpainted, so you have to paint them, which is, like, a whole hobby and a whole thing. That sounds like fun, though. What? It's a whole thing, Becky. Like, if if you enter the world of Warhammer, like... Painting your miniatures is like half of the half because you get to I make mean, them look how you want. You but know? that's really hard. It is hard, but the people who are good at it are really good at it. And, and you get to make dioramas too to fantastic. play. Fantastic, yeah. And that's and if you're awesome. people like Alex, you get to make dioramas. See, I think I just made the dioramas and forget the figures. Yeah, I want to play the game, but I don't. I don't know that I have any any uh, any. Uh, friends desire oh. to paint a bunch of miniatures i'll, I'll paint them for uh, you yeah i was gonna say can you paint my miniatures for me and then also yeah, find yeah. me someone to play there, with <laughs> there are people who if you only lived here we do like game nights all the time uh too far there are <laughs> it's too far <laughs> if uh 
there are people who will paint your miniatures for you, but obviously it's a lot of yeah. money. So, um, and then pe there are people who buy like armies, what they're called, like Warhammer armies, paint them and then sell them for like way more money. Uh, like a Warhammer army will go for like $300 fully wow. and stuff. Yeah. But people who play it, like play it, like they're in it, you know, and this is one of those games. So I'm sure this game will be very successful. Probably not for me personally. So it's a, it's a big um, investment too. It is. It's cool. Although I do have the fantasy flight star Wars card game. That is fantastic. It's such a good game. I need to try that out. Still um, haven't done it yet. It's real good. Well, next time you come visit, we'll play. It's awesome. Sounds good to me. It's like one side plays the Empire and they're like trying to destroy rebel bases and the other side plays the Rebellion. And I'll come in costume to make it feel more real. Anyway, next piece of news. Uh, Hollywood Reporter has, an, has, I don't want to say announced, but they reported on the existence of a Obi-Wan film <gasps> that is in the works Yay! right now, which I'm pretty excited about. I, a couple people I know were like, I couldn't think of anything more boring. What? And I'm like, what? What? I don't know. Yeah. I think because they just kind of know, you know? It's like, we already kind of know what happens. Like, what else could they tell? But but I, I like the period. Like, I almost want to know more about... Like, I'm one of those people that wants to fill in all the cracks. Not everyone wants that. Certain characters, like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'd love to lo learn more about. Boba Fett, I don't need to have a full Boba Fett movie. Especially Same. if it's trying yeah. to tell the backstory. Tell me a story about him on a mission that's fine but i don't need to know how he was brought up certain characters you want to have that uh that mystery it, well, plus we already have some boa backstory now after uh after the animated series yeah and i don't think we need more than that really um for me what's exciting about this is it's contingent on one thing one thing alone is it going to be ewan mcgregor because that's what everyone i hope so wondering. it needs to be really yeah. It needs to be. That is the selling point for me. Like, I, I understand yeah. the apprehension of, of a character we already know, but he is so great. And he is Obi-Wan in my mind. Like, he yeah. fits so seamlessly in there. Um, I just want to see him take mo that more of that on. And uh, I think he would do an excellent job with it. I, I hope he's down for it. I really do. Yeah, I mean, he had an interview when Force Awakens came out with somebody. I can't remember who. Um, and he talked about how he, like, he was directing some movie, and then he had a day off, and he was at the mall, and he saw that the movie was playing, so he went and watched it or whatever. And he was like, yeah, I loved it or whatever. And then they asked him if he if if they had ever asked him to come back, what he'd do, and he's like, oh, yeah, in a heartbeat. He's like, I loved making those movies. So... Chances are, if this actually is getting made, you're probably going to get Ewan McGregor, because, yeah. I love him so much. It's going to be, that'll just be. He's great. And he doesn't act that much anymore. I mean, I guess not. He's in, like, Fargo and. Yeah, I didn't see that season, though. Okay, maybe I'm crazy then. Yeah, I haven't watched any Fargo, which I hear is great. I hear it's but... great. Shout out to yeah. my dad. He loves it. <laughs> okay, you know. Anyway. Oh, and the director. The director is is. I read that there is somebody attached, right? Yeah. I think it's a lot of speculation though, at this again? point, right? Yeah, I mean, this has not been confirmed by Lucasfilm. It's it was all this Hollywood Reporter article. Let me see who the, the... Stephen Daldry. There, there it is. is. Apparently, That's Deadline awesome. has confirmed that Disney is in early talks with three-time Oscar-nominated director S Stephen Stephen Daldry, mm -hmm. who did. 
Let me just make I do sure. I not remember. I think, I want to say, like, Billy Elliot. Uh, yes, The Reader, Billy Eddie, Elliot, The Hours, The Crown, epi- some episodes of that. So, hmm. some good credits there. Um, yeah, and, and never done British. a, like, genre film, though. But, like, that's the think. thing. I want, I want it to be British, you know, McGregor, with British, like, Stephen Daldry, and they're just at, in Tatooine, and it's really cerebral. The, this is what I would want from that film. Yeah. Something slow and... and meditative yeah penultimate news story i'll say george lucas apparently still occasionally gives input on the jedi oh uh entertainment weekly had a piece um where they were talking to kathleen kennedy they asked if he still gives input on the new films she said not really but he'll whisper in my ear every now and then usually it's something specific or important to him about jedi training things like that i think he's starting to settle into this and just be a fan it's taken a while. It's hard to let go after 40 years. That's a lot of expectation and things he thought a lot about. Suddenly, that next generation, that whole thematic idea he came up with is in process. So, like... That's interesting. I like the idea yeah. that he's at least peripherally involved, though, for his sake. Yeah. And He's kind of just like, you know, it, Jedi probably wouldn't have done that. It's his universe. Right. He, he should still have a little bit of a hand, even if it's just whispers. Yeah. He has more of, like, a... You know, he doesn't actually have any power, but, like, because he's so, you know, because he created it and he's so well-regarded that if he kind of casually suggests something, they'll kind of just probably respectfully be like, all right, you know? He's like the Bendu. He's just kind of there. Yeah. He's like, you know. When he gets mad. He's kind of there. Turns into a cloud. Being a mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I think that, that fits him, right? Anyway. Alex, tell me about Force Friday. What do we know about it? All right, so if you like buying stuff and if you have more money than you should (laughs) or if you don't have any money like me but you're still going to buy stuff, Force Friday 2, it's coming up. It's August 31st at midnight, so September 1st, 12 a.m. So Force Friday was started back in 2015 in case you're unsure of the history of it. It was the uh, single release night of all new Star Wars merchandise for the force awakens uh new midnight merchandise releases aren't anything new to star wars they've happened in the prequels but this is like the the first marketing like we're gonna get everything books comics uh t-shirts action figures everything all released on one night they kind of did this for rogue one uh but it was not considered an official force friday but this uh upcoming thursday is uh force friday 2 so multiple stores including toys r us target uh, Walmart, they're having special midnight openings so you can buy all the new Star Wars merchandise. And aside from that, on the Star Wars app, they have an, a new augmented reality scavenger hunt. So for, um, from September 1st to the 3rd, Ooh. you can check out all the different stores. They have these special posters that you can scan, and you get new little characters that pop up. It's it's a fun little a little scavenger hunt. Uh, you can get more information on it on StarWars.com. And if you post what you find in the scavenger hunt on social media you can win prizes so yeah it's it's gonna be fun um the biggest thing that everyone's waiting for are toys uh there has been no official release as to what toys are going to be out but these things have been leaking for months Uh, in stores there's a street date that all these boxes have they actually say do not put out before certain dates lots of targets lots of walmarts lots of toys rest have already put them out um 
we know that there's some special Funko toys coming out. There's some new Black Series figures. Uh, we're getting a BB-8 Mega playset, which looks awesome, but what? it's also about $200. So it's a BB-8 that you open up. I won't say what it is on the inside, um, but it looks really cool. And it oh, so it's like mi- it's like a giant micro machines thing. Micro machine that, but it fits or it, it's uh, to scale to the standard three and three quarter figure. Whoa! So it's it's a good size. Yeah. Um, but if you want to cheat a little bit, instead of having to wait till midnight, especially if you're on the West Coast, you can do what I do, where 9 p.m. West Coast time, all the toys go on sale on Amazon.com, ToysRUs.com, and Target.com. So I order them online, but then I also go to Toys R Us and to Target to get all the free exclusives. Like they give out T-shirts, they give out posters, they do raffles. So it's a it's a whole it's a whole event just to spend money. Even Disneyland and Disney World are having special events too. Like you had to register to go to the World of Disney Store in Disneyland to go buy stuff. Oh gosh! Wow. Which I registered. I'm not 100 percent sure I'm going to go, but I have that option. Interesting. So what is the big thing that you have your eye on, Alex? What's your number one get? Uh, it's a few things. So the, let me see. Old man Luke is coming out in a six inch figure. Uh, so I'm trying to get that. It came out already. I think I've seen that already. up close. It's cool. Yeah, it, it came out at a Comic-Con as a two pack with Jedi Ray. So those two are coming out in their standard packaging. So I'm after those two figures. We're finally getting our six inch Harrison Dula figure. So uh, those I'm really after those. Oh, they're finally giving Hera, you know, something. Yeah. Uh, they, they previewed her figure what was it comic-con two years ago they showed the finished version at star wars celebration a few months ago so she's finally coming out it's a beautiful figure Jeez, dude like, like it's nice no hera figures like ever exist it's such a shame well, there's a few of them they just for whatever reason they were hard to find um the first hera figure that came out was a two-pack with a I think it was a stormtrooper and the only place i ever saw it was at kohl's randomly that's so weird um, and then she came right and then she also came with an a-wing but uh, again i saw one of those out in the wild and that was like at a convention yeah but i don't know why why it's so hard to find yeah her, she her also herself. never got a disney infinity figure which yeah makes me really 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 sad because i have a bunch of those and every rebel got one except hera what's mm-hmm. up with that I don't know. It's like nobody likes Hera for some reason, but it's like Hera's amazing. She's like a I freaking she's general. My favorite character. Oh, she's awesome. Um, but if you want to get more information on the leaks as to so you know what figures are coming out, uh, I always go to yakface.com. Great resource for figures. There's also Jedi Temple Archives, uh, rebelscum.com, yodanews.com. Just type in, you know, Horse Friday, you'll get more information. And, uh, I'll see you guys at Toys R Us at midnight. Because <laughs> I will cool. be there getting my free Funko t-shirt. Cool, cool. Uh, real quick, uh, the Star Wars show just released information on two ships for um, The Last Jedi. I don't know if you guys want me to name them, but they're, if you want to watch it, it's pretty cool uh, on YouTube. We'll have to do that. Anyway, are you guys ready for Creature of the Week? Yes. Sweet. Good job, Buck. They want a wonga. So our creature of the week is the Nerf. Everybody remembers the Nerf herder, you know? That's what we're talking about, the Nerfs. Nerfs are a species of furry, non-sentient animals, and I like that it's non-sentient after, you know, 
Yes. That last time we have talked about Gungans. <laughs> Non-sentient animals race for their milk, meat, and hide. They can be found on a variety of planets across the galaxy, from Alderaan to Lothal. Despite their usefulness, nerfs were often regarded as disgusting because of their strong body odor. Which actually, in one of the Star Wars comics, like Luke and Han have to transport a bunch of nerfs in the Millennium Falcon, and they're like all in the cockpit, and they comment about how bad they smell. <laughs> so. so is that why being a nerf herder is an insult? Because if you know, everyone, the, the main reason we know about nerfs is obviously when Princess Leia tells Han Solo you stuck up half-witted scruffy looking nerf herder of which the only part he's really a friend offended about is being scruffy looking um, but so why is nerf herder an insult? It's probably just the lowest of the low job. Yeah. And you're smelly I guess from hanging and out. And you're smelly. Yeah. yeah. It's probably like oh you've been hanging out with a bunch of nerfs all day because you stink to high heaven or something. I don't know. <laughs> Could you smell like one? Yeah. <laughs> something like that yeah are they i'm sorry if you said all this are they are they dangerous no they're just like cows mm. just like space cows basically space cow okay uh if if nobody's got anything else we can close out the show i think we're good good all right this has I been a very good. long episode i you know what next next episode will not be so crazy but it's because we're doing these movies and it's like you know you got to talk about the whole movie and it gets crazy i feel good about it we have all mm. of our thoughts about the prequels yeah, we did out it. there we've lain bare the prequels <laughs> so now we can move on to more more uh, exciting things which we'll i'll talk about in a second but thank you for listening to this episode of long time ago radio if you'd like to be a part of the show you can email us at podcast at canontimeline.com and if you'd like to follow me personally on Twitter, you can do so by looking up the Jawa Josh. And everybody else, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Rebecca June Lane. And you could also contact us through our Twitter, which is at LTA underscore radio. And I promise the next couple weeks, uh, I will start updating that Twitter more and more. So look to us for news. You can find me on Instagram at Dapper underscore Fett. And make sure you take a look at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash radio. And you're doing yeah. a really great job with that Facebook page, can I just say, yeah. Alex? It's it's uh, it's pretty great. Whenever I see something Star Wars, I have to repost it. <laughs> this, this this so I mean, why don't Adats walk in straight lines? Because the general veers like that was the best. <laughs> joke oh my I've god! In a long time. So good. Bringing the oh up. man, <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Best way to end the episode. Uh, remember to join us two weeks from now. Uh, when we'll be discussing collectibles from Woo! the galaxy far, far away. We'll be talking everything from patches, T-shirts, soda cans, cards, <laughs> games, figures, and, and all that stuff. Anything. Bubblegum wrappers. Bubblegum. Do people collect those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Trading card wrappers. I mean, everything Star yeah. Wars. Well, we'll talk about it next week. Or not next week. The week after. Actually, let me get that date for you. When will this next episode Air. So make sure everybody goes to their local Toys R Us or Target, buy stuff, tell us what you bought, how much money you spent, so I don't feel so bad that I spent more. <laughs> uh, September 11th will actually be our next episode. It'll be all about collectibles, and we'll we'll be able to talk about Force Friday in more detail because it mm -hmm. will have passed. So that'll be cool. All right, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.
Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs>